Welcome to the Tweet Trends Podcast. Hey, Yvette, what's trending today? Hey, I'm Yvette. Hey, girl. And you are tuned into Tweet Trends. It's the quickest way to find out what's trending today. Hey, welcome back to Tweet Trends. Today's episode is an interview with Brad Shreve, and we're going to be talking about bipolar disorder. So let's get started. I would like to introduce you to Brad Shreve. He is the host of a podcast called Queer We Are. And he's also an author. He has multiple books out there. And so we'll talk about that stuff later. But for now, hey there, Brad. How are you? Hi, Yvette. I'm doing great. And you were saying you never knew if you knew somebody that had bipolar. I'm going to tell people, they, they probably all think they do. Because anytime somebody is moody or has some form of mental illness or schizophrenia, whatever, they all say, oh, he's bipolar. But no, that's not true. Um, so they may think they may know somebody that has bipolar. They probably know somebody though that has mental illness. For sure. I I have to agree with you on that. Like I said, I think there's a little something everywhere. Like there's no need to point the fingers at people in particular, you know, because we, just because of the trauma that we all go through just in this thing called life, that there are some things that sit differently with each of us. So um, I'm interested to know what your story is. Like, how did you find out or how did you become diagnosed? Well, and I'm going to tell you, first of all, I'm very excited to be on your show because I just love it. And I, I, I'm, I'm anxious to hear our conversation with the tweet tweets in the middle of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, like most people that have bipolar disorder, I was originally diagnosed with depression. And that's very, very common. Uh, And I was diagnosed with depression several times in in my life. I was diagnosed, I think, the first time when I was 13. And then I was diagnosed um, when I was executive with a corporation 25 years ago. And then after my life completely fell apart due to addiction and just uh, being in a bad relationship and a bad space in my head, Five years later, I was diagnosed and I actually wound up in a psych ward uh, because I, I just couldn't function. I was also suicidal. I don't know what I said. I was with a crowd of people and I said something and they went to a guy there that was a psychiatrist. He said, get Brad to the emergency room immediately. So I have no idea what I said, but they took me to the emergency room and I was there for 10 days. Now, suicide watch is three days. And what happened was when I got to the hospital, the uh, the wing I was supposed to be on was full. So they put me on the floor with the schizophrenics and some of the other more serious uh, mental illness. And I was there for three days. And uh, it was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I was just walking around like a zombie by the time that was over. So they finally moved me to the floor that I was supposed to be on, which was gorgeous. It looked like a country club. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> And it was, it's called the dual diagnosis wing. It, it's people that have a mental illness and an addiction at the same time, which is very, very common because you self-diagnose. And I was there. What they said is, you know, suicide watch is three days, uh, but we're not going to let you go. And we want you to sign that you are willing to stay 
if you're not willing to stay, then we still are not going to let you go. But we have to go through a whole bunch of red tape. And I'm like, I'm not ready to go either. I agree. So I'll gladly sign. So here's my little speech about our mental health care in this country. So I was broke at that point. And uh, after seven days, they were ready to let me go. And there were no mental health clinics in the city, of, in the county of Los Angeles that would take me oh, because wow. they were all full. And I told the doctor before, I said, you're not going to be able to find one. So after two days, he came to me and goes, I I've heard how bad it is out there. I can't believe it's as bad as you and others have told me. And I said, yeah. I mean, there was a point where I was at a uh, the mental county LA County Mental Health Clinic in Hollywood on my hands and knees, begging them to take me in, and they're like, "No, we can't take you." So, just a little. We need our healthcare system to improve here. But anyway, oh, wow. So once I was released, um, my life life was kind of a mess, and and I'm gonna kind of skip forward to where I got diagnosed because I kind of got better for a while. Uh, I got back on track. Um. And I started a new career working uh, for a coffee chain, not Starbucks, another one. And I wound up in a relationship, which was going great. And I will say my whole life, I'd always, I, I don't want to say moody because it's, that's kind of, for lack of a better term, I'll use moody, but it's a little more extreme than that. And as the relationship was getting going and my career was getting going, the bottom fell out. And I could not function. I st I didn't show up for work one day and never never went back. I never called. Um, my employees had no idea where I what was going on. My my managers had no idea what was going on. Um, eventually, I think my husband, my now husband, handled it. Uh, and I just got worse and worse where I couldn't function. I have what's called, I have bipolar two, which what that means is, is my manic levels are not as high as bipolar one. I tend to be more depressive, but I do have what's called hypomania, which means I, I do get the manic episodes, but they're not as extreme. But I had all the symptoms of mania. I had a past history of a lot of uh, promiscuous sex nonstop, which is very common. Fortunately, I did not in my relationship, but it has broken up a lot of families. Also had a lot of experience with massive spending during mania. People will max up their max out their credit card in a matter of hours. So these are ways that can really impact families. And the other thing is that you can get because you can go days without sleep. You can get agitated and irritable and argumentative. So it's really tough on a family. And the worst part with a family, and this is worse for everybody. 60% of people that have bipolar disorder attempt suicide. And unfortunately, 20% of all people with bipolar succeed. Oh, wow. So it's, it's a pretty heavy duty thing. Now, what happened? I really reached the point that I could not function. I could hardly speak. Um, a friend of mine that had bipolar disorder has bipolar disorder uh, is a minister. And she said, we're going to take you to the hospital and, and we're going to tell them that you are suicidal because you kind of are, but you need help. And, and cause we still could not get a clinic to take me in. So I still had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so they took me to the hospital and 
I was in the psych ward for a couple hours and the, the head of the department came out and she said, we're going to send you home. And I said, excuse me. She said, yeah, you have a, you have your good friend and you have your, your partner and, and we feel like you're safe. You're going to go home. I said, I'm not going anywhere. And she said, excuse me. I said, I'm not going anywhere. I am not going anywhere until you have me an appointment or somewhere to go because I can't live like this anymore. I can't live where I have, an inability to leave the house. I can't live where I have somebody can't talk to me for more than five minutes because what happened is my brain cannot um, um, focus for that long a period of time. It reached, it, I felt like my brain was cauliflower, like people were ripping pieces off of it, which isn't a very good feeling, but that's, uh, that's really the best way I can describe it. And actually that's exactly what it felt like. I, I said, I just can't continue like this. There's no way. So she left and was gone for quite a while. And she came back and she said, here's the phone number. Call them. They're prepared. They'll get you in. And boom, I finally got into, because I had no money still at the time. I got into LA County Mental Health Department. Now still, it takes a while to get diagnosed because there is no test to see if somebody's bipolar. There's, it's, I think Alzheimer's, they now have a test, but they didn't used to. They just kind of dealt on based on the symptoms. And that's the way bipolar is. Wow. Uh, they can't draw your blood and say, oh, yeah, bipolar. What they do is they look at your symptoms and based on their symptoms, they say you have bipolar disorder. And, you know, I asked a psychiatrist at one point and I said, are you sure I have bipolar disorder? He goes, you know, I can't really say there's no magic test, but but you act like you have bipolar. So that's what we're treating you for. It doesn't really matter what you have, if, whether you technically have it or not, you do have it. So if that makes sense. Wow. So they're treating the symptoms, not the disease. That's really what it comes down to. Right. That's all they can do is give you medications to treat the symptoms. So it took quite a while before I, you know, I saw the psychiatrist at least once a week, maybe twice a week. Uh, and it took a while before I was finally diagnosed when they said you have bipolar disorder. And I got to tell you, it was the best day of my life. Because what I had been dealing with since I was a little kid had a name. Do we have time for a little history on our mental health? Sure. Here in this country. A lot of people blame Ronald Reagan because Ronald Reagan had a lot of budget cuts in the mental health uh, field for this country. But it actually started with John F. Kennedy. Oh. Because what they used to do is lock people up in institutions, just lock them away. And it used to be very easy uh, to do. And John F. Kennedy came up with, well, his people came up with this great idea to get people out of mental mental health institutions and but they wanted satellite centers throughout the country and so they would be released to these satellite centers and in those that were able to adapt and be treated and get into a normal or as normal of a life as they could have would be able to do so unfortunately mr kennedy was killed the country went ahead with the releasing the patients but there were no satellite centers. And that's when we started seeing the increase in our homelessness and seeing an increase more and more in uh, people that have mental health disabilities 
basically all around us. Mm -hmm. And then of course that continued and then Reagan did do budget cuts and it's, it's just continued like got worse. Um, they're, they're just, and we keep seeing it cut every year mm -hmm. and it needs to be increased. Too many people are dying unnecessarily or just living miserably unnecessarily. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard here so far from Brad, but because it's an interview, you know, like I know that there was more conversation happening than this and you have to go over to YouTube to get the rest of the story. And I'm telling you, if you don't go, you're going to miss hearing about bears and donkeys and a host of other things. So I don't even know why you're still here. Head on over to YouTube. You know where to find me at Hey Yvette. That's at H-E-Y-E-V-E-T-T-E. -E -E -E, or just look for the hashtag Tweet Trends. All right. Have a great day. And I'm telling you, go, go now. Check out YouTube. <laughs>